listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Happy Sunday, Victory family. Good afternoon to all of you. I'd like to give a special shout out to those people joining us online on Facebook and on YouTube. And we are hoping that we would see some of you most of you here uh, on-site in the next couple of weeks, and I'd like to greet the people here on-site as well. We are continuing our series entitled, A Reason to Celebrate, where we are talking about the real meaning behind Christmas. Are you guys excited for Christmas? Yes, we all are. One of the things that I love about this season are the colored lights around the metro, Uh, I'm so glad that they're back this year. Remember last year, they didn't put in too much because I think most of us were in quarantine. But right now, I see the trees along Commerce Avenue, different colors again. And then we see the long light tunnel in the Phil Invest area. And we also see the big paroles along Alabang Zapote Road. And I love how it makes my trip home so much more beautiful than usual. And as a bonus last night... As I was on my way home, I was able to witness the fireworks uh, in Alabang Town Center. At di sila nagtipid this year. Ha? Talagang maganda yung fireworks nila. I enjoyed it and everything yesterday on the street was screaming Christmas. Even the lights of the cars during the traffic. And I really enjoyed it. And as I was watching all of these things, somehow, even in the middle of this pandemic that we are in, I felt really hopeful I somehow felt seeing all the lights, seeing the fireworks, I felt, you know what? I think this pandemic that has taken so much from us, no businesses, jobs, people that we love, I believe that it is coming to an end soon. Are you guys believing that? We are all here. I love how I'm seeing more people and I pray that we get to see more people here. And, you know, I felt really hopeful and I believe that was because of those fancy colored lights that I saw and the fireworks that lit up the darkness. I love Christmas lights so much. But, you know, they're really nice to look at. But more than just looking pretty, Christmas lights actually remind us of the real reason we celebrate Christmas. Again, Christmas lights are meant to remind us of the real reason why we celebrate Christmas. And that is the light of the world who came 2,000 years ago here on earth to brighten up this whole world and to give us life. And yes, you got it right. I'm actually talking about Jesus Christ, the real reason that we celebrate Christmas. And today, we are going to read two passages talking about the light of the world. We'll be reading one from the book of Isaiah, which is actually a prophetic word. And we will be reading another passage in uh, the New Testament, which is the fulfillment of that word. So I'd like to invite everyone to open their Bibles first to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. If I may ask everyone to stand up to give reverence to the Word of God. Isaiah 9, 2. I will be reading from the ESV version. And then we will be jumping to John chapter 1, verses 4 to 5. It says in Isaiah 9-2, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And in John chapter 1, verses 4-5, to it says, In Him, in Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That is the word of the Lord for us today. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for your presence in this place. And we thank you that you continue to reach out to each and every one of us. I thank you for your word that is so personal, that speaks to us, that directs us. And I pray that you be the one to open our minds and open our hearts so that we may receive the fullness of your personal message for each and every one of us today. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may now take your seats. Light or darkness? Which would you prefer? Can I get a raise of hands? Who prefers light? Who prefers darkness? 
It's a scary thing to answer, right? You're like, Bodhi, can you give us context here? <laughs> we might be going to hell if we choose darkness. You might be saying, you know, it depends on my mood, whether I'm sleepy or, you know, I just want to watch Netflix or whatever. But that question, my question actually goes beyond physical preferences because I was actually talking about our spiritual state. And our choice would determine where and how we are going to spend eternity. And I pray that today, we get to make the right choice. And as we make that choice, it would reflect the way that we respond to challenges in this world as well. As we go back to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was actually talking about a people, the Israelites, who were living in figurative darkness. They were going through a lot of challenges. They were going through a lot of problems. They were going through a lot of persecution, left and right. And they were the ones who actually chose to live in that darkness. Last week, we talked about this. It was their bad choices that put them in that decision. Their, their bad decisions, their bad choices that put them in that situation. Wars were a big thing back then. You know, the nations would always go against each other. They would try to conquer another nation to strengthen their army, to expand their territory, and I don't know, for pride purposes, I guess, bragging rights. So that was a thing during that time. And a lot of the nations surrounding Judah wanted to conquer them. They attempted, but God always protected that small nation, southern Israel, because He wanted to remain true to the covenant that He had with the forefathers. Now, every time someone would try to conquer Judah, they would not be successful. But because of wars, definitely Judah would still take a hit. They would lose a lot of men. They needed to rebuild their army. Of course, there would be places that they need to rebuild as well. They weren't conquered, but they would suffer hits. They suffered destruction. And, you know, when, when they were down in destruction, of course, they would pray, I hope that no one goes, you know, to attack us. I hope that no one comes to attack us. And during a moment of weakness, when one of the nations around them threatened to attack them, King Ahaz and the rest of the Israelites felt fear in their hearts. And you know, because God knew that they were fearful, the Lord offered to protect them. The way I have protected you before, I will protect you again. But because of fear, because of panic, you know what King Ahaz did? He rejected the offer of God. That wasn't very wise of him. Imagine, the Lord wants to protect us and you say, no, thank you. And then he creates an alliance with Assyria, which was the strongest army back in the day. So King Ahaz thought, since Assyria has a strong army, I think they could do a better job protecting us than God himself. And who among you would agree that that was a terrible decision? I think that's all of us. God is the best person who could protect us. But again, they rejected the offer of God. They broke off their ties with God. And this was the very decision that caused God to pronounce judgment on them, the Israelites. The Assyrians, King Ahaz partnered with them. You know what happened? After a while, they broke off their ties with Israel and they attacked Israel. Of course, again, because of God's protection, they didn't succeed. But Israel suffered great destruction and great loss in that attack as well. And, you know, that was just one of the consequences because of their bad decision. I think one of the worst consequences was the fact that the presence of God left the temple. The presence of God left them. And who was to blame? They were to blame because they were the ones who decided not to go into partnership with God. And that left the Israelites in darkness. Physically, of course, because of the destruction that they suffered with the Assyrians, but it left them in darkness spiritually as well. Because again, of the absence of the presence of God. Can you imagine not having God in your life? Where would we go? What would we do without God? It would be crazy to imagine that. And that was the beginning of the darkest times in the lives of the Israelites. And again, who was to blame? It was them. They became fearful. They became homeless. They became cashless. God, we don't want to be cashless in this season. They became cashless. They became directionless. They became hopeless. All of the lesses. 
And again, they were to blame. It was their fault for choosing to live without God, for setting God aside. They rejected God, therefore, they suffered. And who among you here would agree that this would have been a well-deserved ending for them? They rejected God, therefore, they should just suffer and die in the hands of their enemies. I think all of us would agree that they did deserve it. But praise God. Praise God that He is so gracious. Praise God that He is so faithful and loving. If it were up to me, I'd leave them. But then again, praise God that I am not God. I'm sure that you guys would agree with me. I remember back when we were kids, when my siblings or my friends who didn't follow my advice, when something bad happened to them, I would usually say to them, Yan kasi buting asayo. Who among you here said that before? Can you say that to the person beside you? I'm kidding. So, yan kasi buting asayo. You know, you would, you, you would continue to press on that wound or whatever. And it's because they didn't follow what you said, your advice. That's the way I used to think when I committed mistakes. I always imagined God saying that to me. Yan kasi buting asayo. I didn't know God that much back then. So that's how I felt. For example, when we try to accelerate the generation of permits or to lower the taxes for our businesses, we know that it's not going to end well, right? When you pay off people, in the beginning it would work out well, but as you continue to work with these people, they would see that, oh, this is the type of person that I could extort money from. So they'd end up finding more reasons for you to pay up. Until you reach a point where you're paying millions and you're thinking, what happened? And then there's a voice inside your head that would say, Yan kasi, buti nga sayo. Or probably you're bored in your relationship, in your marriage. Then you start entertaining other people. You get into illicit relationships and somehow you feel that it's fun until the point that your spouse finds out. And then your spouse leaves you and you're all alone. And when you're all alone, there's a voice that says to you, Yan kasi, buti nga sayo. Or probably the Israelites. God offered them protection, but they declined. In the end, they suffered an attack from Assyria and eventually they were given to the hands of the evil Babylonians. There was probably a voice in their mind saying, Yan kasi, buti nga sayo. In English, of course. <laughs> Since that's how I reacted to people before, I always imagined God saying that to me when I messed up. That's why I usually ran away from Him. Or I avoided Him. Because I didn't want to hear that. But then, as I was reading the Bible, as I was getting to know God more, that's when I remembered, wait a minute. I think that because I'm evil. But God is good. God loves me. He would never rejoice or gloat when I'm suffering. He would never say that to me. That is not His voice. The Lord would never rejoice in our misery. Yes, He would allow us to face the consequences of our wrong decisions for a time, but not forever. Are you thankful for that? That the Lord allows us to suffer the consequences, but then it's only for a time. He just teaches us our lesson and then He shows grace. He shows, you know, goodness. And we see that in the lives of the Israelites. Imagine, in the middle of their rebellion, the Lord pronounced judgment through the lips of Isaiah. But it didn't end there. As He pronounced judgment, He also spoke of hope. He spoke of a light at the end of the long tunnel that they were traveling on. And you know, that light might have been far. Have you ever, you know, rode a train and, you know, the light seems far? But you know, no matter how small, no matter how faint, no matter how far, as long as the light is there, we know that there's always hope. We know that, hey, this is going to come to an end eventually. So, praise God for that. Through the lives of the Israelites, we see that the time that we experience darkness is the time when God is absent in our lives. And it's not because He left us. 
It's not because he said, bahala kayo sa buhay nyo. He's actually always there. The question is, will, you know, will, will we receive Him? Will we accept Him? Will we choose to include Him in our lives? Will we seek and acknowledge Him? Or, like the Israelites, will we reject Him? Will we push Him away? Or in our case these days, will we choose to ignore Him? That is when we experience darkness. And He always leaves the choice to us. So the question today is, will we live in the light? Or will we live in darkness? The Israelites chose the latter, to live in darkness. But even then, thank God for His grace, God still promised the return of the light, the return of His presence that left the temple. Of course, they would have to suffer the consequences for a little while. In fact, the Israelites didn't just wait for years. They didn't just wait for decades. They waited for centuries for the presence to come back. But the light did come back. Not in the form of the bulbs that I love or in fireworks, but in the form of a baby in a manger. The light of the world was born on that wonderful Christmas day. And we might ask, how can a person be such a light? I don't know if you guys know people who are the life of the party. Do you guys know people like that? You know, when they arrive, you know, you're probably in a party and everyone's bored, everyone's sleepy, just checking their cell phones, not even talking to each other, asking what time are you going to go home. And then suddenly this person enters the room, and everyone's like, whoa! And then everyone drops their phone and everyone's dancing, everyone's talking, everyone's just so excited. The presence of that person changes the atmosphere. Do you know people like that? Or probably you've been spending your, almost your whole life being a single person and then suddenly this person enters your life. You know, magic happens, slow motion, and this person suddenly makes your heart skip a beat, and this person brightens everything, and, you know, suddenly you're listening to new songs like, Baby, you light up my world like nobody else. Or for those older people that can't relate, maybe it's, You light up my life. Jesus is that person. And He doesn't just light up the party. He doesn't just light up your life. He brings light to this whole world, to the dark world. In John 1.4, it says here, In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. Here we see that Jesus didn't just come to give light, but to give life. And I'm talking about this in the spiritual sense. This statement implies something. If Jesus was going to bring light, why do we need light? Don't we have a lot of it now? Don't we have the sun? Don't we have the stars? Don't we have the moon? Don't you have your lamp? Don't you have your ring light? And it says here that Jesus was going to bring life as well. Why do we need life? I'm alive, Bodhi. You know, Jesus, the light of the world, reveals the darkness of this world and the deadness of man, if there is such a word, deadness. When we talk about light and darkness, it goes beyond the illumination of our eyes. In this passage, it talks about our spiritual state. When we talk about light, it reflects the holiness of God, the glory of God. And when we talk about darkness, it is the domain of the evil one. So those who live in the light have life. And those who choose to live in the darkness will face death. Not just in this world, but for eternity. Now before Jesus entered our lives, all of us, no exemptions, were living in darkness. We enjoyed it. All of those sins in the past, I hope you already shook it off. I hope that you guys really left it in the past already. 
We used to enjoy sin. We considered ourselves as the God of our lives, just doing whatever we pleased. I remember how my definition of fun and friendship used to be getting drunk, wasted, blacked out every night, not even remembering what happened the previous night. Shout out to Jerome who just did the transition and the offering. Um, he used to be with me during those times and praise God that God is alive and we're now working in church. Can we just give God praise for that? I'm so thankful. And I'm sure you have stories of your own of how God transformed us, took us out of darkness. I remember how I used to badmouth people in the guise of, I'm just being real. I'm just expressing myself. But then you have a whole audience doing that. And that wasn't good, but I used to enjoy that. I remember, I remember paying off traffic enforcers just to save myself from a hassle trip to the city hall to get my license. Who among you here still do that? I don't want you to raise your hands. <laughs> but you know, we know that it, we shouldn't be doing that. And I thought that all of those things were okay before. After all, when I looked at other people, come on, God, they're obviously doing worse stuff than me. Lord, they're doing drugs. Lord, sexual immorality, look at them. Lord, murderer. You know, I used to compare myself and I thought, you know, what I'm doing, it's okay. How about you guys? Do you remember your life before Jesus entered? I see some of you smiling, wanting to go back. <laughs> Don't. It was probably similar to the lives of the Israelites who were in captivity. We were directionless. You know, it, we thought it was fun, but it wasn't going to get us anywhere. It wasn't getting us to grow. We were directionless. We were hopeless. The only difference is that the Israelites were enslaved by people, while us, we were enslaved by sin. Different but the same. Living in darkness, apart from God. And you know, we thought that it was okay, but Proverbs 14.12 says, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. If the light did not come and we continued pursuing those lives, we thought it was going to be great, but we know that it was going to end in destruction. We know that it was going to end in death. That's why we praise God because everything changed when Jesus entered our lives. Personally, in Jesus, I saw the standard. I finally found out what was wrong, what was right. I used to think I was good because I used to compare myself to other people, as I said a while ago. Oh Lord, I'm better than him. I'm good. Oh Lord, look at him. He's so evil. I know that I'm going to be saved. But we know that that's not the standard. We know the standard is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who is good. He's the only one who is righteous. He's the only one who is holy. And in his presence, I have that feeling that I'm inadequate that I'm dirty, that I'm unworthy. Do you guys feel that too? You know, when you're in the presence of God, His presence made me realize my wretched state, that I'm hopeless. I'm nothing compared to you. That's what the light does. Has the presence of someone ever made you feel that way? Probably you were the prettiest girl in your batch. No? And... You know that the guys were following you around and then all of a sudden, the following year, a foreign exchange student comes in. Foreign blood, prettier than you. And then all of a sudden, the guys flock toward her. Or probably you're the MVP in your basketball team. And then all of a sudden, a new recruit comes in. Stronger than you, taller than you, plays better than you. A new star player. And you're there in the corner and you're saying, I'm not as good as I thought I was. That's what the light does. It makes us see things for what they really are and it makes us see who we really are. And beside God, we are sinners. We are nothing. We deserve nothing no matter how entitled we think we feel. We deserve nothing except death. In Jesus, I saw what the light was. And as Jesus entered my life, looking back, it made me realize how dark my life was. I thought that it was filled with light. I thought that it was filled with fun. But looking back now that He is in my life, it wasn't. And I'm so thankful that He took me out of that darkness. I felt ashamed. I felt guilty. I felt condemned. Have you been in that place? 
But I thank God that the light of Jesus doesn't end there. Jesus' light isn't just meant to reveal the darkness and our deadness. Jesus' light is meant to overcome them for us. He overcomes the darkness. He overcomes our deadness so that He could give us life. In John 1.5, it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Do you agree that the darkness cannot overcome the light? I think when you wake up in the morning, you would know that. You know, you're groggy, you have your blackout curtains, and all of a sudden, your roommate would open it. Uh, all the darkness in your room, gone. You know, when someone switches the light on, automatically that happens. No matter how dark the place is, light enters. Darkness always loses to the light. And that's what happened when the light of the world, Jesus Christ, entered this world. Automatically, the darkness, the devil, sin, death was defeated. And you know, this light was beautifully displayed, better than the lights that I saw, better than the fireworks. It was beautifully displayed when Jesus decided to show the greatest act of love by sacrificing His life, by dying for our sins to save us on the cross. He was crucified. He was buried. But on the third day, again, His light shone bright as ever. He rose from the dead. Praise God. And he conquered sin. He conquered death, making his life available to every person who would choose to believe in him wholeheartedly. Who among you here believe in Jesus Christ wholeheartedly? Come on, raise your hand. Don't be shy. Then the light lives in you. And no darkness can overcome you because the light is in you. That is one of the things we celebrate this season. In Colossians 1, 13 to 14, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, the kingdom of light, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do you sometimes feel that you have sins that God cannot forgive? Does the enemy play with your mind like that? Remember that the light has overcome the darkness. And there is no sin, no matter how great that you have committed in the past that God cannot forgive. Because again, every single sin has been overcome by the light who came into this world. And He doesn't just offer forgiveness of sins, canceling it out, but you know what the light does? He gives us the power to say no to those sins. Can you say no? Parang ayaw nyo pa magno sa sina. Can you say no? No. Dapat yung gigil na gigil. No! Oh, wow. Yan. Dapat ganyan tayo sa kasalanan. So He gives us the power to say no. The question is, will we choose to take it? Will we choose to receive this light? Will we choose to take this power? Or will we reject it? Will we choose to leave the darkness behind? To pursue a life in the light. Be honest. Who among you here had the hard time making that decision, leaving the old life behind? Bait nyo naman. Ako lang. Yan. Yan ang gusto ko dito sa 5pm service. Everyone's just really so godly and strong and, you know, good. I feel like I'm in heaven. Kulan na lang magkapakpak kayo dito. Unfortunately, there are people who, you know, are blinded by the temporary pleasures of sin. But that's not you guys. That's only me. Because they couldn't leave it behind. Just like the Israelites rejected God by choosing the Assyrians, there are people who choose to reject the light, to reject Jesus, because they choose to sin. And it really puzzles me. In John 1, 10 to 11, I love this. It says, Jesus was in the world. And the world was made through him. Yet the world, that's us, didn't know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. His own people rejected him. Isn't that crazy? Jesus came down from heaven to earth, gave up so much, gave up his own life. For who? For the people who rebelled against him. For the people who sinned against him. 
Again, that's not you, that's me. And what did we do? He came to us, but the people rejected him. In fact, the very people that he came to were the ones who crucified him. And before we start pointing fingers at them, let us remember that before Jesus Christ came into our lives, we used to be living in darkness. Therefore, we were part of those people who crucified him. This verses, John 1, 10 to 11, remind me of how blinded people are, including the religious leaders during the time of Jesus. Again, we're talking about living in the light and living in darkness. Living in the light is following Jesus. Living in darkness is continuing in the life of sin. It is a spiritual state, not just, not just based on sight. And we could easily fall into that trap. We couldn't see because we choose to continue living in sin, in darkness apart from Him. In John 1, it de de declares that the Word became flesh, and this Word is also the life and the light of the world. When Jesus finally grew up and He started this ministry, He made that clear, direct claim that, sa that says that He is really the light of the world, the promised presence of God that would come back. I love this verse. One of the I am's in John. Again, Jesus spoke to them in John 8, 12, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Again, I am the light of the world. It might seem like a simple statement, right? I mean, if you say it right now, I am the light of the world, if you go outside your house and shout it, your neighbors would probably ignore you, or they would just think, this guy's crazy. Can you try saying, I am the light of the world? People would say, ah, bumbilya. Ah, meral ko. Okay lang. Ikaw yan. But, you know, to us, it might not mean anything. But during the time of Jesus, there was weight in that. In fact, when the Pharisees heard, them, heard him say that, they became angry. Heated discussions, arguments happened. Tension-filled debates. They even accused Jesus of being a blasphemer, of being of the devil. This is one of the statements that they used to start their campaign to destroy Jesus. Why do you think the Pharisees were so angry when he said that I am the light of the world? Everything that Jesus says is well planned out. And he said this at the perfect time. You know when he said this? When they were celebrating the Feast of the Tabernacles. And the Feast of the Tabernacles, they remembered the guidance of God during the 40 years that the Israelites were in the wilderness. And how were they guided where to go? Cloud by day, and by night, a pillar of fire. So that was what they remembered during the Feast of the Tabernacles, and they commemorated this by a ritual called the illumination of the temple. Wow. You know what they did there? There were four towers on the corners of the temple. They would have big basins for every tower, and they would have 40 gallons of oil. They would put 10 gallons in each of the basins on the corners of the towers on the temple, and they would light that up. Can you imagine how big a fire 10 gallons of oil would produce. And you have that in four corners. I, I believe that it was strong enough to even light up the whole city. And that fire, that illumination, what did it represent? As the presence of God was represented by a pillar of fire in the wilderness, the light in the temple represented His presence. His presence that they missed so much. His presence that they continued to look forward to because it was promised in Isaiah 9 that this presence would come back. And then they hear Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. You see how heavy this statement is? He was claiming, remember the presence of the Lord that left in the Old Testament? It's back. Here I am. Jesus was actually claiming to be God himself. And this was confirmed by John the Beloved. This was confirmed by John the Baptist. Jesus was claiming to be the very presence of God who returned. That's why the Pharisees were so annoyed. That's why the Pharisees couldn't stand it. 
They couldn't believe it. And they had a, a discussion. And after they broke apart, in John 9, Jesus does an amazing miracle that backs up his claim. I love John 9, one of my favorite stories. It was the story when Jesus healed a man born blind. And it revealed that Jesus truly had the power of God. And it also revealed the stubbornness or the blindness of the religious leaders of the Jews during his time. He, he really picked a man born blind because we're talking about light and darkness. Light and darkness has something to do with sight. That's why he chose a man who had been living in darkness his whole life. In John chapter 9, verses 1 to 5, you know, if you have your Bibles, take note of this. Read the story later. Amazing story. It says here, as he passed by Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, again, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. This man in John chapter 9 has been living in physical darkness his whole life. He wasn't able to see the beauty of the things around him. Can I just ask you to close your eyes for a couple of seconds so that you could put yourself in the shoes of that man? That's what he saw every day. He just heard stuff. And the disciples, you can open your eyes now. Good morning. The disciples assumed that he was born with a defect because during their time, if a certain person had a disability, it was usually a punishment for sin that that person committed or his parents committed. But Jesus was quick to correct the disciples. He said that this is not a sin problem. His blindness is actually providential. Why? Because the Lord chose him so that the glory, the power of the light of the world could be displayed through his life. We continue reading in verse 6 and 7. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Hindi na pwede gawin ni Jesus to ngayong may COVID, di ba? Social distancing po tayo, Lord. Ganun lang. Lay hands lang. One meter apart. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Can you imagine what happened to this man? He was probably like, oh. <laughs> Jesus, ano to? Ba? And Jesus told him, you know, just obey me. Follow me. Trust me. Wash in the pool of Siloam. Jesus made an outrageous claim. I am the light of the world. I am God. If he wanted to prove it, back it up, he needed to do something outrageous as well. And do you know that up to this point, John chapter 9, no one, I think even up to this day, no one has been able to give sight to a man who was born blind. We don't know what his case. He probably didn't have eyeballs in his sockets. You know, but Jesus was able to do that. And everyone was amazed. The power of God was clearly displayed in him. As the man obeyed him, followed his instructions, he was able to see. Now I want you to imagine with me, can you imagine what was happening in the mind and in the heart of this man? When was the last time you saw something for the first time? Like, I don't know, the sunset in Dubai or Arab Emirates or Boracay or probably the glory of the Niagara Falls or any of the, you know, a big pyramid or probably the first time you lay eyes on your baby that has just been delivered. You know, something happens in your heart. There's that excitement. There's that joy. You cannot contain it. Seeing something for the first time, people get so overwhelmed. Some people cry. Who among you here are the criers? Some people get speechless and, you know, just freeze. Some people dance and shout and scream and jump. It's something that you can't fully express with words. Now, that's us when we see something for the first time. Imagine this man seeing everything for the first time. It would drive him crazy like, oh my gosh, look at that. That's the sky. Oh, what color is that? Oh, the grass. Wow. Oh, wow. Look at the faces of these people. Oh, wow. What's this? Water. Oh, that's my face. Is that me? He was looking everywhere. It, must, it was too much for his mind to process. But you know, more than all of the things that he saw, 
with his physical eyes. He was able to see the most beautiful thing, not with his physical eyes, but with the eyes of his heart. While he was still blind, he was able to see the glory of God. He was able to experience his presence in the person of Jesus Christ. And that was the most beautiful thing that happened to him that day. While the people around him, Jesus was walking in front of them, but they were spiritually blind. They were living in darkness. The light was walking in front of them, but they did not recognize him. What a shame that they missed out on the presence of God that they have been waiting for for the longest time. And what a shame because Jesus is the one true light that can give salvation. And we wouldn't want to miss out on that. But they did. The townspeople, they saw the blind man. And they were probably thinking, is that him? The guy who has been begging in front of the temple for all of these years? How come he's walking? How come he's running? Is he able to see now? How is that possible? We've known him since he was a child. He's blind. And you know, they went to him and they asked him and the man was saying, I'm now able to see because of this man, this teacher, this prophet, I don't know, because of this guy called Jesus. And the townspeople heard that and they were still trying to process everything. We don't understand how a guy who was blind is now able to see. And because they could not understand, they refused to believe. Because again, they were living in darkness. They could see, but they could not see. And because they were blinded and did not want to believe, instead of celebrating with the man, something great happened to him. You know, carry him on your shoulders and jump. Yeah, you know, they were like, Jesus? And because they would not want to believe, they dragged the guy and brought him to the Pharisees for investigation and interrogation. And you could imagine the reaction of the Pharisees when they saw this man and he was claiming that Jesus healed him. We all know how the Pharisees love Jesus, right? Of course they don't. So they weren't happy to be hearing this. They did not enjoy it that Jesus was in the spotlight again and for an amazing, unprecedented miracle. They wanted to discredit Jesus and this wasn't helping at all. That the Pharisees, as they were interrogating him, they were insisting, this Jesus is of the devil. This Jesus is a sinner. He even broke the Sabbath. We cannot trust him. And whatever power he has, it must come from the devil. And the people around were really puzzled. They were hearing their religious leaders talking about this and they were saying, but if he's of the devil, how come he has such great power? Power like no one ever had. Imagine these people were wasting the, their time. They saw the evidence of an amazing miracle done in their midst. But instead of celebrating that, they decided to shut their eyes, to close their eyes. Why? Because they were living in darkness and they refused to believe that this Jesus is the promised Messiah, is the light of the world, is the Son of God. Why? Because they were expecting a different Jesus. They probably were looking for someone who was of royal descent. They were probably looking for someone who was on a white horse, you know, with a big army behind him, a king. Jesus, you know, wearing sandals and rags and he doesn't even shave. I don't think this is the light of the world. Why? Because it didn't make sense for them. He didn't fit their expectations. It was so difficult and hard for them to believe and understand even how a man born blind was able to see. And because they could not understand, I don't want to believe. You know, that's where faith comes in. A lot of us, you would usually think, I need to understand first before I believe. But there are times when, even when we don't understand, we would choose to believe because of the character of God, because of His promises. And we know that our God is a God who champions in the impossible. So there would be things in our lives that we really wouldn't be able to understand. My dad was diagnosed with cancer and then one day we wake up and the doctors say, oh, he's cancer-free. Praise God. Or you're probably, oh, I, 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 I have a court case in NBI. I don't think I would be accepted for any work. And then all of a sudden, the Lord opens the door for you to have a business. You feel that, you know, I don't think my wife and I would be able to get back together. It's beyond impossible, but Jesus works in your hearts and all of a sudden, you're happy, happy already. 
God works in the impossible and sometimes we don't understand it but we exercise our faith. Again, the Pharisees living in darkness, not using their spiritual sight. That's why they, would not, they weren't able to believe, they weren't able to see Jesus for who He is. So what did they do? They cast the man out. They sent him away. They rejected the man, his testimony, and they rejected Jesus. The man who was cast out, he chose to believe in Jesus. Even if he did not see with his eyes, but he saw with his heart. He saw in the spiritual realm. He didn't see him yet. I say yet because when he was cast out of the synagogue, as he stepped out, Jesus met him face to face. Imagine how wonderful that would be. Who among you here would want to experience that? Man, it would take not just our physical eyes to be open, but our spiritual eyes, the eyes of our heart, the eyes of faith. Because he believed, he saw. In John 9, 35 to 38, I love this. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man born blind answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Man, just imagining this is giving me goosebumps. Imagine seeing Jesus face to face, man. Ah, I would love to hug him. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. What a crazy story. The people who could see physically rejected Jesus. And as they rejected Jesus, they rejected more than his person. They rejected eternal life. God, I pray that you gave them a chance to receive it. Well, the blind man who lived in darkness his whole life chose to believe Jesus even though he wasn't able to see him yet and chose to worship him. He lost the approval of man. He was cast out. But as he lost the approval of man, he gained everything as he received the light of the world. In John 1.12, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The light of the world came to the world to light up the darkness, but not just that. To give us life. Again, we used to be living in darkness like the Jews and like the Pharisees, headed for destruction. But this is what we celebrate Christmas time. That the light came. That we are all here. That the light opened up our eyes, opened up our hearts. So that we could experience Him. So that we could receive salvation. Jesus is the light of the world that gives salvation to everyone who believes in Him. And He doesn't just give salvation over sin, over death. We know that He defeated all of those things in the cross. As we receive Him in our lives, His light also shines in every area of our life. His light shines to defeat depression. His light shines to defeat sickness. His light shines to defeat anger. His light shines to defeat confusion. His light shines to defeat sin. Whatever it is that you are going through, whatever darkness you feel is inside you, as you receive the light of the world, those dark things are automatically overcome and defeated. Who among you here would want to experience that light in every area of your life? Who among you here is saying, I need that light right now. I want this darkness to be taken away. It's not a question of, will he enter? It's a question of, will we allow him to? Will we open up our hearts to allow the light of the world to enter our lives. The Jews <laughs> heard about the miracle of a man born blind being able to see. But this Christmas time, we remember an even greater miracle. The miracle of God coming down from heaven to earth to defeat darkness 
for the very people who rebelled against Him, for the very people who rejected Him, the very people that offended Him, instead of showing them wrath, He shows them love. He shows them grace. He gives them life instead of death. And the them I'm talking about is each and every one of us. Allow that to sink, sink in with all of the problems we are facing, with all of the challenges, knowing that we have the light that overcomes the darkness. Isn't that enough reason to celebrate Christmas? Isn't that enough reason to give praise to God? Isn't that enough reason to surrender to Him and say, Lord, my life is yours. Allow your light to shine in and through me. I know it's difficult to understand. Lord, why do you love me? Lord, why did you give yourself up for me? Again, as I said, there are things that we will not fully understand. But because we know that our God is loving, we choose to believe it. He chose to shine His light to overcome the darkness in us. My question to us today is have we received this light? And are we living in this light? Those are different things. For those people who have received Jesus already, I'd like to ask you, why don't we examine the things that have been filling our minds and our hearts the past days? Are our minds filled with joy, with peace, with hope, with faith, with thoughts of victory? Or are our minds filled with doubts, fears, anxiety, and the feeling of defeat? Are we living in the light or are we living in darkness? Again today, Jesus wants to enter our hearts and I pray that we would allow His light to dispel every area that is dark. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.